What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. It is Tuesday, August 18th. I'm Adam Azer, and I love breakouts. And I've got the wall art to prove it. If you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Welcome to our breakout show. In case you missed it yesterday, sleepers win you weeks, breakouts win you leagues. TM. Dave Richard, Ben Gretsch, and Heath Cummings are here, but I have a disclaimer before you're too hard on Ben. Just know that Heath stole all of the breakouts that Ben wanted to talk about today. <laughs> so, you know, Heath, you've put Ben in a bad spot. That's not true. I didn't take Jonathan Taylor. I didn't say A.J. Brown. Like, there, uh, I, I yeah. didn't say Kyler Murray. There's three <laughs> of Ben's favorite breakouts. I didn't, like, there, just find one more. Jeez. Will Fuller. Will and Fuller. I decided that I wasn't going to talk about Brown, Fuller, or Taylor because I keep getting feedback that that's all we talk about. And particularly with Fuller, with you guys, I just have to fight you and Dave. Um, and especially Brown, me and you go at it. And and Jonathan Taylor, me and you go at it. So we're just not going to do that today. I picked four brand new breakouts. Love. Well, what not, the, what it's, a, it's not my fault. Isn't no, it point. isn't. I just told Azer because I was taking too long to get him to him that he took a bunch of mine. And Dave took one of mine as well. Yeah, well, he he Ben took Kyler Murray back from Dave, so he's going to use Kyler Murray as one of his breakouts for sure. We'll talk about our favorite guys. We've got um, some news, not as much as yesterday, but Damian Harris getting a lot of work with the first team for the Patriots. That's not a surprise. Uh, an update on Nick Chubb and an update on Ben Roethlisberger and those types of things. Dave tried the Seattle hot dog, and we are anxiously the, awaiting the review. What? The what? Is that what it's called? <laughs> no one's heard of it. <laughs> Is that what I, I didn't get it right? about it until yesterday? The Seattle hot dog? Ben? Yeah, yes. it's a thing. There's a Wikipedia page and everything. Yeah, they they're very popular. Seattle. Yeah, I I know nothing about this, and I'm just going to. Assume right now that the dis- the description itself is disgusting. <laughs> no, it's incredible. So you toast the bun, spread cream cheese on it. Um. Drop in a hot dog, and then you have grilled onions. Jalapenos optional. Uh, green peppers are another optional one. You can put some hot sauce on it. I I think just the cream wait, cheese wait, and grilled wait, onions wait. is enough. So that's the base. That's what I'm trying to understand. The base of this you were telling me is cream cheese, hot dog, and grilled onion. Yep. Oh, and the toasted bun is apparently very important as well. It is. Mm-hmm. Don't knock it till you try right. it. Well, man. the cream very cheese very popular has to melt. outside game I, days here. Yeah, I will not. 
be knocking it, I suppose, because I'm not going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm interested to know how Dave like it. Let's start with our favorite breakouts. Dave, you can go first. Who's uh, your favorite breakout this year? I think I'm going to settle on Ronald Jones. I, I'm I'm buying into the, not just what I've learned over the offseason and how he's developed over the offseason, but the reports coming out of Tampa Bay are positive. He's catching the ball well, clearly working with the first-team offense, coming off of handoffs like a dart. He's really going to be uh, an integral part of this Tampa Bay offense. And you know what? If you put in the time and he's a better pass catcher and he's a better pass protector, then the third-year running back absolutely earned it. Round five, every draft, Ronald Jones, unless someone like Ben or George Maselli takes him in front of me, you absolute scoundrels. Stop it. Leave him for me in round five. Thank you. Are you taking him? Sorry, Heath. Are you taking Ronald Jones ahead of David Montgomery, Mark Ingram? Yes. Yes. uh, David Johnson? In non-PPR, yes. Le'Veon Bell? I haven't gotten there in non-PPR yet. All right. All right. Well, and certainly not in PPR, right? No, certainly not in PPR. You know, I had I had a, an epiphany in the uh, shower because I knew we were going to talk uh, about Ronald, Ronald Jones, and <laughs> I was thinking about um, cream cheese and grilled onions, and hot dogs, and this is wait, 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 is this your shower? Or ben Ronald shower? Jones came into my mind, and I thought, like the two major pieces that I can remember and really enjoyed and went back and read multiple times from Ben Gretsch last year, the running back dead zone and the trap back. Doesn't Ronald Jones fit both? Well, we don't know what his role is going to be in the passing game yet. But all indications that we currently have. I mean, the the, the dead zone, he's certainly just smack dab in the middle of. Mm-hmm. Um, but Maybe. <laughs> No, I mean, well, unless, unless well, you start he, drafting him in round three. Well, sure, sure, sure. Oh, you're talking about the dead zone in the yeah, draft. I round thought you four meant... through nine. Okay, so don't I'm draft thinking... running backs round four through nine. Don't draft running backs that don't get high value touches or that a high percentage of their touches are not high value touches. Um, it seems like he he just like is the prototype for both of those things that we don't want to do. Yeah, I my defense of that, just not to cut you off, Dave, because I this is the guy that I also would call a breakout, and I'm with Dave, and he mentioned I draft him too. Number one, I think his high-value touches could go up. He had a pretty Agreed. solid receiving role last year, and I think the goal line work, but Barbara was the one who stole it from him. I sent out a tweet the other day. He didn't get a single carry from the one, two, or three-yard line, Ronald Jones, that is, after week four. He got five carries is all inside the 10 during that stretch. And he scored a touchdown on all five. He's a he's a big back. He's explosive. He's gonna be good in the in the red zone. And I'm hoping that that leads to more of their goal line work. I don't know that there's much competition for that. Uh, maybe Lashawn McCoy is the competition, but you know McCoy I don't think has the explosiveness right now that that Jones does. And then the other thing I would say he's gonna add have a touchdown. The other thing about the dead zone, and we talked about this a little bit on Twitter, you and me, Heath, is that the guys that tend to come out of that are young players breaking out for the first time. Um, it's not great, but, uh, another, another thing I've noticed is it's guys that are, whose ADPs are rising a lot in the preseason. Arian Foster fits into this as a a first time breakout. His ADP was rising. Buzz was building. He was a dead zone back. That was a monster. Um, Kareem hunt his rookie year, obviously the injury to Spencer war where accelerated that, but his ADP wound up in the, in the dead zone and he was a monster. And and so there's some similarities to some of the few success stories out of the dead zone that make me not completely shy away from Jones. And was Mark Ingram in the dead zone last year? 
And he's like a, he's a completely different type of back because he's been in the NFL for a long time. His touch profile might be very similar to, to Jones this year. That might not be a bad comp in terms of like mm-hmm. the composition of his touches. So you got to be in a good offense, and you know you got to score some touchdowns. He's going to have to score some touchdowns, yeah. right? Yep. He'll have he'll have more than six. All right. So Ronald Jones for Dave uh, Heath. Who's your favorite breakout? I guess like favorite. I'll say DJ Moore is my favorite. I think that uh, legitimate shot to be the number one wide receiver in PPR this year. And if you look at his ADP on both Fantasy Pros, half PPR, and on NFC, it is basically 36. So in a 12-team league, you could take two running backs and come back and get DJ Moore and a Rams wide receiver or Juju Smith-Schuster or something like that. Very realistic based on average draft position. Um, are there anything that, anything that concerns you? Uh, I guess I'll just throw this out for DJ Moore. You've got a new offense. You've got a new quarterback. You've got a new wide receiver in Robbie Anderson. I, I don't know. I, I obviously like him a lot too, but just to play yeah. devil's advocate, you've got that going against him. And he had he, in his career he has not gotten a lot of uh, targets inside the 10. I think the touchdowns are the one thing like, sure. It's everything's changed around him and maybe they are just really terrible evaluators of talent and want to only throw the ball to him 110 times and waste targets on Curtis Samuel. Um, but the touchdowns are the one thing where it's been two years and two years is not enough for me to say he's probably not going to be a very good touchdown guy, but three or four years we start accept like we accept that now with a certain wide receivers that they may probably won't score more than six or seven in a year. I, I'm Why don't not you just right. call Julio Jones out by name? No, I wasn't <laughs> even thinking him. I was actually thinking T Y Hilton and Keenan Allen. Oh. Um, like Julio could score eight sometimes, but you no, know, I think that's the one concern is that his red zone profile doesn't change, which again, it's a new coaching staff, new quarterback. There's all the reason in the world it could. He's the most talented pass catcher, not named Christian McCaffrey on the team. So I'm optimistic in that regard, but that would be the one concern. Okay. And Ben, we've got Ronald Jones for Dave. We've got uh, DJ Moore for Heath. I know you like both those guys. Who's the breakout you want to highlight here? Do you want me to highlight one of mine, or can I just highlight one of Heath's? Because you asked for a favorite breakout, and it's on Heath's list. All right, yeah, go ahead. I mean, it'd be Miles Sanders for me. I think it's just a perfect year for him. Everything's kind of coming together. We've been talking for a couple of months about how the Eagles tipped their hand early, which is something that I want to keep emphasizing. I made the comparison to Christian McCaffrey's second season, uh, second offseason, where they let Jonathan Stewart walk. And then in May, they brought in C.J. Anderson and, and fantasy drafters got really concerned about C.J. Anderson, or at least a little bit. There was you know, some, some concern that Anderson might take the Jonathan Stewart role, but that was post-draft. That was a very low, um, low leverage signing. They weren't concerned if Anderson had signed elsewhere and they had pretty much tipped their hand. They were comfortable going with, with McCaffrey. And Sanders has had the same type of offseason. They let John, uh, Jordan Howard walk. They've been saying all along, they're going to let him be the guy. There is some concern that Doug Peterson has always liked using committees, but I think when you really dig into Doug Peterson's numbers, he's used running backs how they're intended to be used. He he threw a ton to backs when he had Darren Sproles, then he didn't when Sproles was hurt, and all he had was Jay Ajayi, um, or his teams did, and they threw more to backs again last year when they had Sanders, and particularly late in the year when it was Sanders and Scott as his backfield. He's using backs how they're meant to be used, I think, like structurally, and He's saying now that he's, he's going to lean on Sanders as his lead back. I don't see why that's not going to happen. And the difference between even him and McCaffrey is the Eagles still haven't signed anyone and they might bring in someone late, but I don't know what the holdup is. Why, why anyone would not have Sanders as a first round pick personally? Yeah. I don't really get his ADP on fantasy pros. It's like 20th or something like that, but on NFC, he is 
Miles Sanders is you know firmly in the first round. And quite frankly, it's why when I talked about why I didn't really want picks two through six, or why I don't, I would say I don't want them. See, I feel more comfortable with later picks because I love getting Miles Sanders. <clears throat> I hope that he can, you know, join that elite group um, and next year be a top five pick. All right, so those are three names for you: Ronald Jones, DJ Moore, Miles Sanders. You've got uh, like a round five, round six guy, a round three, round four guy, and a round one, round two guy. Uh, and we've got plenty more names coming your way. We also have a mailbag coming your way that's going to air on either Friday or Saturday, but now's your time to get your questions in. You can email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, or better yet, if you leave us a question via Apple Podcast Review, much more likely to have your question read. Please leave us a nice, kind five-star review. Tell everyone why you love our show, and tell your friends about our show as well. And within your review, feel free to leave a question, and we will read your question on our mailbag show. Um, So again, on Apple Podcasts, five-star review, that would be extremely, extremely helpful. Uh, Also, uh, follow us on on YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday, and on Facebook. Search Fantasy Football Today on Facebook or click the link in the episode description. Get on in the Fantasy Football Today Facebook group. You will uh, will enjoy it. Good conversations in there. One of the things that we need to talk about is COVID, unfortunately. But we're starting to get, you know, listeners who weren't listening during the offseason and getting emails and, and questions about what types of changes we should make to our leagues based on COVID, whether that's roster spots, payouts, uh, you know, team QB or whatever. What general tips would you have, Dave, for fantasy managers as we try to navigate what could potentially be a difficult season? Then let's be honest, one that might not finish. Let's hope it does, but we have to be prepared for all the possibilities. So if you're in a complex league, that's a dynasty league or a keeper league, and you're worried about having a normal season, and let's face it, everybody should be worried about having a normal season, maybe you put that league on pause and you just do something simple. And I think that's the, the thing to do. If you're, if you're generally worried about this season going haywire, um, what we did in our keeper league is we just put all of our 12 teams on pause and we're doing a guillotine league. We're going to try something different. We're going to try something fun. We might add more people into it because you can have more than 12 teams in a guillotine league because you can play up to 17 weeks. And, you know, there's a team that's getting eliminated every single week. Their players hit the waiver wire, and it should be a lot of fun. It's something different. It's a chance to experiment. You can also go the simple route and just do a league where you're starting one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end, one or two flex spots, and that's it. And you just keep it simple and you're playing fantasy. It's a watered down version. Maybe mid season, you decide, oh, let's add another wide receiver. You go ahead and do that. And then instead of worrying about making sure you've got every position covered and with a backup in case COVID strikes your starter, you just have fewer starters and you have the same size bench and you should be good to go. If you want to keep your league the way it is, let's just say you're in a 12 team PPR redraft every year, same buddies, just add two or three more bench spots or add 20% more to your salary cap draft budget. And the idea behind that is now you've got more opportunities to go ahead and back up those players. If you get Lamar Jackson and you want to make sure that you've got somebody like RG three ready to go in case Lamar Jackson tests positive on a Sunday morning, you can do that. And commissioners should want to do that too, because it's going to happen. 
Somebody's going to get ruled out on Sunday. We're not going to know why. We could assume it's COVID, and fantasy managers are going to scramble, and they're going to go to their commissioners, and they're going to say, please, commissioner, please let me make an ad drop move right before the game start. And if you're a commissioner that gives these extra bench spots, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to you know, wreck your Sunday afternoon going to make ad drops for other managers in the league. You're giving them the opportunity to go ahead and back up important spots on their roster now. And if they don't do it and then they come begging to you, you can say, tough luck, you blew it. You spent those extra three spots on uh, Washington's you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth string running backs because you think that they're going to be good. That's on you. You're going to get a zero for your quarterback that week. So a lot of different options. Be flexible and be thoughtful with your other fantasy managers about the whole process and and just really come up with a way where, yes, there could be a game that gets postponed here and there. Players are going to get ruled out, but we're going to have football. There is a less than 1% positivity rate among NFL players right now. They haven't started traveling yet, and they haven't had full contact against other teams yet. They've only been with themselves. But it's a huge positive that the NFL doesn't have a lot of COVID tests right now. I think it's like 15 players are on the reserve COVID list out of 2,600 players. There's going to be football, guys. We're going to have fantasy football this year. So let's play to some degree and have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that uh, I've mentioned this before, but I'm a commissioner of a, of a couple of baseball leagues and I put very detailed guidelines on the payouts. Uh, this is how many teams make the playoffs. Now, baseball is, was a little trickier because the season was so short, but this is how many teams make the playoffs. Here's the payout structure as normal. But if the season ends before this date, no one gets paid. If the season ends after this date, but before the end of the season and the playoffs, the fantasy playoffs don't get to be played out, these are the payouts. You know, the top four teams or the top three teams get paid, whatever. Is it determined by record? Is it determined by total points? You also want to outline what would happen if the season gets shut down in the middle of a week. Let's say on Sunday or Sunday. This is unrealistic, but not impossible. Uh, let's say it's on Sunday and there's a big outbreak. No, we're not even playing the Monday night football games, something like that. Well, do you revert back to the scoring at the beginning of the period and just forget about what happened on Thursday and Sunday? You probably should. But whatever it is, have a very detailed explanation of the payouts. Don't leave anything up to interpretation. Try to think of all the scenarios just so there are no disputes in your league. Heath, Ben, you have anything to add? No, I think that's really well put. Yeah, the only only thing I would add is I personally am opening up fab. I'm doing fab on Tuesday nights as normal, but first come first serve waivers after that. And I'm not expanding the bench spots. I just, my only concern with expanding the bench spots is then when someone does need to pick somebody up, there's not anything on the waiver wire. So I have put unlimited or in one league eight um, IR spots for anyone that has COVID. So like give people plenty of room to stash the players that get COVID. But, and then the final thing is most leagues are set up standard where lineups or free agent ads lock at noon on on Sunday, 1 PM Eastern on Sunday. I changed that to where they lock right before the beginning of that player's game. So if somebody finds out, somebody finds out on Monday, they'll be able to put that person on the COVID list pick up someone that's playing Monday so they have someone in their lineup. Oh, it's Adam, it's idea. worth mentioning that that is an option on CBS Sports. If you play your league on CBS Sports, you can do that. And CBS Sports will make every single IR spot eligible for a reserve COVID player. 
So if you do have a player that gets COVID, there might be some sites that don't let you put them on their, your IR. CBS Sports will. If anybody wants to start a league on CBS Sports with your buddies, you want to come over and play, drop me a line on Twitter at Dave Richard. I'll help you out. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Um, I don't know if we talked about the drawbacks of Team QB. Did you mention that? Because I know a lot of people, well, let's just do Team QB in case my quarterback gets ruled out. Sure. Well, if you do That's that, an easy thing to do. Yeah, but the problem is then you like Taysom Hill catches a touchdown from Drew Brees. They're yeah, both going to count double it. points. Yeah. So yeah, that it, it would it, it doesn't change how a league operates. It just changes what the order would be on how you would draft TQBs on draft day. Yeah, like I guess Saints value goes up a lot. I think you can make the case that Philadelphia's could go up a little bit because Jalen Hurts is probably going to have a role. I said Hurts. Everybody, Jalen Hurts, uh, and there's probably some other quarterback situations around the league that could that could end up benefiting if you do draft TQBs versus individuals. All right, let's get through the news and notes quickly here, so we can get onto the breakouts. Damian Harris is, as I mentioned, getting a lot of first team work, and we just mm-hmm. we just did a PPR two QB league with uh, what six bench spots, I think. 17 rounds, whatever it was. I don't think Sony Michelle got drafted. If he did, it was like the last round or something like that. Because I was sitting there like, should I take Sony Michelle with my second to last pick before my kicker? Um, I don't know that he got drafted. Damon Harris went really late to Dave. But I, I mean, I understand taking Harris. He's a good sleeper. We talked about that yesterday. But if you were just going to take one Patriots running back that wasn't James White, who would it be? Harris. Sony Michelle. Michelle might not play till midseason, and there have been reports that he's on the roster bubble. Wow. All right. Um, Nick Chubb was evaluated for a concussion. Was there an update on that? He's in the protocol. Okay. So I, I would make the assumption that he has a concussion and that he'll probably miss, you know, anywhere from three to 10 days worth of practice. Does he drop in your rankings at all, Nick Chubb? Not yet. Not yet. We talked about this on uh, Fantasy Football Today on CBS Sports HQ. It, it's an interesting thought exercise. What, what, where, and what would you value Kareem Hunt without Nick Chubb there? And Heath is the one that really had some had an eye-opening thing to say about Hunt. Obviously, if Nick Chubb were just you know traded to another team, Kareem Hunt's the lead back in Cleveland. Where would you take him? Ninth I think overall. We'd all agree. Ninth we'd overall. all agree on round one, right? <laughs> yes. Holy Super cow, I would take yes. him higher than ninth. I would take him higher than ninth too, but Heath would take him higher than fifth, right, Heath? I would take him second. Whoo! Whoa! Um, I'd take him probably fourth. I've got yeah. him fifth. I've got him fifth. But okay. that makes that thought exercise is going to be parlayed into another one where I'm going to look at all the backup running backs. And gee, where would I take Tony Pollard if Ezekiel Elliott went back to Cabo for six months? And where would I take Alexander Madison if Dalvin Cook decided to not play football for, you know, he wanted to hold out this year. So I I, I almost wonder if that's how we should maybe re-rank those high-end insurance policy running backs. And then it got me to thinking, well, how realistic would it be if I took Chubb and Hunt on the same fantasy team? Chubb would be around two pick. I wouldn't reach him in round one if I'm going to do this. And Hunt, I would have to spend the round five pick on and hope that he makes it to me in round five because there's some sharks that I draft with every day who take Kareem Hunt in round five. It Would that be worth it to have both those guys um, on in, in your lineup? You could certainly start both each week if it's PPR. 
And and then I've got another thing to mention. We had Nathan Zagura on the show on on Tuesday, and he he thinks that we're going to see both of those guys run a lot, catch a lot, play a lot. They're going to be a one and one a kind of duo. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I don't think Kareem Hunt's going to be in this passing downs role. And I don't think Nick Chubb is going to just be in a running downs role. They're just going to continue to to just work in tandem where it's going to be Chubb for four or five plays, Hunt for four or five plays, and no rhyme or reason to it because they're both really good running backs. So I wonder if that means, yes, there will be some weeks where they both get 15 touches, but one of them will get two touchdowns and one of them will catch three passes. And there will be some other weeks where they both score. But I, I wonder if they're, if it's worth trying to strategize getting both. I think if it were a 10-team league or an 8-team league, I would consider something like that to just lock up the, both of those really good running backs on a team that should run the football a lot. The way that you just described that, though, my, my take would be that Chubb is massively overvalued. If you think that that's going to be the setup, Chubb should not be a second round. Pick. Nathan, Nathan said it's going to be somewhere between 65-35 to 60-40 with how the split will be between Chubb and Hunt this year. That's his interpretation. Oh, all right. I would look, he went one pick ahead of Josh Jacobs today and I did a cartwheel and I fell and I broke the table. But, uh, cause I, (laughs) you know how many times I've done that about 10 years ago, somebody's like, do a cartwheel. And I was like, okay, how hard could this be? And I got like, you know, upside down basically and realize, oh my God, I have no idea what's about to happen. This is much harder than I thought. And I came like basically crashing down onto a table. Was pretty bad. Um, is this like your, like your takes? Do you get halfway through your takes and realize I didn't think this out very well? <laughs> yeah. It's like I doing cartwheels. No, I, I, I was sitting there. I was like, please let me get Josh Jacobs. Let me get Josh Jacobs. Somebody took Nick Chubb. Will Brinson took Nick Chubb. I was so happy to take Jacobs. Um, because he doesn't have a Kareem Hunt breathing down his neck. Okay, moving on. Baltimore is going to work out Des Bryant. We'll see what happens there. The Athletic, Mark Cabali of The Athletic on Ben Roethlisberger. Was talking about some good things of Ben Roethlisberger. He also said this, but it wasn't all perfect for Roethlisberger. This might be nitpicking with a guy who's 10 months removed from a major elbow inj- not major elbow surgery, but Roethlisberger's delivery looked a little different to me. I've seen him in practice and games for 17 seasons now, so even the slightest alteration is magnified to me. It appeared to me, especially later in practice on some deep balls, that Roethlisberger was short-arming his passes. I would say that a good bit of his throw was a motion with which he did not follow through completely. It was sort of like a whip action. It reminded me a bit of Philip Rivers' delivery. It was noticeable to me from a pretty good vantage point in the front row of the lower bowl at Heinz Field. Did this raise any red flags? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. That doesn't sound good to me. I don't want Philip Rivers throwing passes. Say it, <laughs> well, you don't want Philip Rivers' accuracy. Did he say he was short-arming it or the passes were falling short? It appeared to me that Roethlisberger was short-arming his passes. Was he completing the passes? I don't know. Was he on target with the passes? I don't know. The issue for me is not that it looks like Rivers because whatever. Rivers, that's his delivery. But if Roethlisberger's got a completely different delivery now trying to rehab from a serious elbow injury, that to me puts him at risk of re-injury. And that's the concern for me. And it should be a big concern. If you're concerned about that, it should be a concern for Juju. Yeah. Concern for Deontay Johnson too. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Chargers defensive end Melvin Ingram sitting out practice, looking for a new contract perhaps. Saints offensive guard Andrews Pete broke his thumb. He's questionable for week one. He missed six games, Andrews Pete, last year. In those six games, Alvin Kamara averaged 4.95 yards per carry. Latavius Murray averaged 4.66 yards per carry. So they didn't miss a beat. 
Cincinnati cornerback Trey Wayne's likely out for the season with a torn pectoral and another Jaguars defensive player, defensive end Aaron Lynch, is retiring. Uh, it's been a tough offseason for them. I wanted to get Dave's hot dog review, but I'm going to save that because the people want to hear about some breakouts. So Heath, Ben stole Miles Sanders from you, and you said DJ Moore. Give me one. Uh, we have two more, but give me one more for now. Uh, one more breakout that you like this year. Uh, Calvin Ridley was uh, fantastic after the team traded away Mohamed Sanu. They didn't really do anything to replace Mohamed Sanu. Hayden Hirsch is coming in that Austin Hooper role, but this is an offense that's going to throw 600 plus passes. Dirk Cutter's offenses always do. So there's enough room for Julio Jones to see 160 plus targets and still 125 to 130 for Ridley, who has been remarkably efficient his first two years in the league. I think he's a top 10 wide receiver, and that's not his upside. The upside is it's a Chris Godwin, Mike Evans situation like last year. Why do you think he's going so much later than that? He's the 16th wide receiver off the board. He's a round four pick. Um, Well, like I don't know that that's that much later. I think it's partially just a product of quarterbacks and running backs both going earlier than where we have him. And there's two quarterbacks going in the second round by NFC ADP. So... Like wide receiver 16 versus wide receiver 10 for me is probably separated by three or four fantasy points in season long projections. It's just almost nothing. I think it's a personal preference type deal. And he may be a little bit worse in PPR than non PPR. If it's 120 targets instead of 130 or 135, but I, I, I think there may be a little bit also of people missing last year's semi breakout because he only played 13 games. So we had a little fun earlier this week on the podcast about mentioning who's a candidate to get 90 catches this year. And I think Calvin could be one of those guys that can get to 90 catches in those six games after Muhammad Sanu was traded. He had how many catches? He had 34 catches in six games. So a little more than five per game. The pace to get 90 catches over 16 games is 5.6 catches per game. Do you do you think he could do that? I think he can get enough of a target share in that offense to yeah. do that. I'm just wondering if you guys agree. Yeah, I, I'm projecting him for 90. I think based on his target numbers, he is too. This is another guy I completely agree with Heath on as a huge breakout. And Adam, to your question, I think people just get worried about him being the number two receiver in his own offense and don't really recognize that this is a really concentrated offense and really high volume, like Heath said. Uh, it's hard to take him over clear number ones in their own offenses, but he should be going over many clear number ones. So like over Adam Thielen? Yeah. For, How about Juju? I go Juju. I would. I would go Ridley. I go Ridley. All right. Oh. All right. So we got uh, we got some more. I hold. I got to tell you about something much more important. All right. Everybody's hungry. Always hungry. We need good food. I want to tell you about ButcherBox, the best chicken, beef, and pork I've had in a very, very long time. Okay. And they got salmon too. That's not my thing. But you can customize your butcher box and get exactly what you want. You want a giant box of delicious meat delivered to your door? Go to butcherbox.com slash FFT right now. Butcherbox.com slash FFT. Not only is ButcherBox meat great tasting, it's also high quality, humanely raised meat. And that should be very important to you. It's better for you. It's better for the animal. And it's better for the environment. And, you know, it's hard to find that in grocery stores. I've walked around grocery stores trying to find the type of meat that I want, and it's just difficult. It it pretty much doesn't exist. So this is your chance to get 100% grass-fed finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage breed pork, or wild-caught salmon uh, delivered right to your door, like I said. And it's affordable. It's easy to get. 
It's delicious. It's antibiotic-free. There's no added hormones. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat. That's enough for 24 individual meals. You're going to get so much, and you're not going to get tired of it. If you want to have a barbecue or something like that, this is absolutely perfect. You're not going to believe the price. And like I said, you can customize it, or you can just have one of the boxes that they have on the website. But if you want to see more, you want to mark a visit to the meat counter off your list and receive quality meats delivered to your door right now, go to butcherbox.com slash FFT. Butcherbox.com slash FFT. Ben, you're up. Another breakout. Yeah, we can start with Kyler. Um, Basically, we know that his ceiling is very high. He ran for over 500 yards as a rookie. He threw 20 touchdowns, but in the first half, he threw zero touchdowns in five of his eight games. And then his touchdown rate more than doubled in the second half. They ran a little bit uh, more in the second half when, when Kenyon Drake was really productive as a runner. I still expect that their passes are going to increase substantially overall, particularly because they were fourth in situation neutral pace last year and they were only 21st in play volume. Um, so I expect that this offense in year two under Cliff Kingsbury will still play fast and will get more plays run. Uh, typically, you don't see that big of a disparity between those two stats, how, how fast a team wants to play and how many plays they run. And it's just because they weren't uh, very efficient and, and didn't keep the ball for long drives last year. So I think that can happen. You're going to get more pass attempts from Murray. I think the touchdown rate can rise. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is going to help the passing. He has just absolutely ridiculous upside with that rushing. And then I think his floor is higher than people realize. I think he has a really high floor with that rushing ability, even with only 20 touchdowns last year. He was top 10 in both formats. Uh, I know he wasn't as high in points per game, but I do think his numbers are going to rise across the board in year two. So he's pretty clearly a top 10 floor guy for me and and is really the only quarterback unless Russell Wilson throws a ton more unless Deshaun Watson throws a ton more um he, he's the one that I think has the ceiling that can challenge Mahomes and Jackson okay so the question is for Kyler Murray I'll have all of you answer this how many quarterbacks do you have ahead of Kyler Murray I know it's at least two but Ben how many quarterbacks are ahead two. of Kyler Murray just two okay he's QB three for you Dave I've got four ahead of him okay and they are Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. And Heath? Uh, I've got five. All those guys plus Deshaun Watson. Okay. You know, ADP is so interesting because there's just a, a group of three or four that you can you can rank them however you want. And we've talked about them for months. You know who the top two are. And then Kyler Murray is, I think, QB3 on um, NFC, but it's, but it's really close. And he's QB5 on Fantasy Pros. I spent a lot of time watching the Cardinals this offseason, and they seemed to kind of shrivel up when they got in the red zone last year. They were not nearly as aggressive. They didn't scheme up a lot. Um, there, there's an interesting stat that I just want to bring up to everybody about Kyler, and this is a stat that I'm almost certain he can improve on. Ben, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this. He was tied for 10th in red zone pass attempts last year. He had 75 red zone pass attempts, but he only threw 13 touchdowns. That was tied for 23rd best in the NFL. Derek Carr had more red zone touchdowns than Kyler Murray did last year, but he only had two interceptions. And that tells me that maybe he was making not necessarily bad decisions, but maybe he had to throw the ball away a little bit more. Um, The play calling seemed to be just very generic and bland. And this was an area that they needed to get better at. I think that's why they really targeted and traded for DeAndre Hopkins. It's why I think Hopkins will still carry big value as a top five fantasy receiver. The other thing that I want people to do with Kyler Murray is go look at his schedule for 2020 and look at weeks two through nine and tell me where are the really tough matchups for him 
in that stretch? Where are the matchups that you just look at and you go, oh gosh, I don't know if I really have to start Kyler Murray that week. So a big chunk of the first half of the season, Kyler might be the one that carries you right into the playoff contention in your league. And I love that stat. I think that's the perfect thing you'd expect to improve in year two. All right. Another uh, quarterback red zone stat, by the way, just slightly off subject, but Dak Prescott, you know, he barely threw in the red zone and uh, like less than usual, fewer times than usual. He was 26th in attempts inside the 10. He was 15th in red zone attempts. He had fewer attempts inside the 10-yard line, uh, Dak Prescott did, than Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes, and both of those guys missed time. So maybe both guys could be more prolific in the red zone. I was going to say, like, I almost spoke up when Ben had said that Kyler was the one guy with the ceiling. I I think we might be sleeping a little bit on the possibility that Dak could be even better this year. They've already lost Gerald McCoy. That defense might not be very good at all. They added C.D. Lamb in place of Randall Cobb. Um, they He might actually improve on last year. My My concern with him and my counter is he doesn't run as much as I think we think he does. He doesn't run even as much as Russell Wilson. Um, and, or at least, you know, hasn't gained as many yards on the ground and added as many points. He's, he, he had a few, a lot more rushing touchdowns his first three years than last year. He had six each year. He had three last year, but he, he's not even like a, he wasn't a 300 yard rusher last year. Murray was well over 500. Watson's like a 450 guy. So I actually think, and they, they added so many pass attempts last year. His pass attempts could come down too. I think he's got maybe the lowest ceiling of these of this tier, but I love his floor. I, I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go on to a Dave breakout. Dave already gave us Ronald Jones. Who else you got? I've been talking about Tyler Higby for months. I might as well just do it one last time here. Get everybody all excited about a tight end who I think could be the next George Kittle. I love the way that he's just this physical beast when he's got the ball in his hands. I think he's quick. And last season at the end of the year, he was a humongous part of the Rams offense and they were successful with him and he was getting 11 targets per game. That was his average. And he was getting over 20 PPR points per game over those final five. I don't think that's going to happen again, but even if he does half that, he's going to be a good contributor to your fantasy team. The Rams lost Todd Gurley. So I'm not sure just how committed they're going to be to the run this year. Maybe they, they will be because they like acres and Henderson just keeps getting buzzed. That's another guy that I think people need to have on their radar, particularly in PPR leagues, but Brandon cooks is gone. I know Gerald Everett's back, but Higby stands out as a guy who can be a monster in the red zone, make plays after the catch. He had a great yards per target last year. I think that he could end up being a very good fantasy tight end, the type of guy that you start every single week and set your watch to getting 11 PPR points per week with. All right. Uh, Heath, you have Hayden Hurst as one of your breakouts. Would you rather have Hayden Hurst or Tyler Higby? I'd rather have Hayden Hurst, but they're in the same range for me. Um, like they're the argument that you make against Hurst is that he hasn't done anything in two years. You can make kind of the same argument against Higby that he didn't do anything his first four and a half years. Um, I do think stepping into that role in the dirt cutter offense, kind of like what I said about Ridley, 125 targets per year have gone to the tight end position, and that's across multiple teams. The way Matt Ryan's talking about him, the way that camp's buzzing about him, I think Hurst has like top four upside at the position, but I have him ranked number eight. So I I go back and forth on Hurst. And I, I, you talk about just how much Atlanta's going to throw. We just got done talking about Calvin Ridley as a 90-catch candidate. We know that Julio Jones is like a 110-catch candidate. What's left for Hayden Hurst? What, what, what's left for him 
to get the type of target volume that Austin Hooper needed last year to be really good when he was healthy for the Falcons. He was averaging, Hooper was averaging seven and a half targets per game. Is, is Hurst going to get there or is he going to be closer to the five and a half targets per game, which is what Hooper had in 2018? Um, I've got him right in the middle, I think, at six targets per game, six and a half. But that is okay. awesome at the tight end position. Like yes. when you say what's there for him, I've got Julio at 156 targets, Ridley at 130, Russell Gage at 90, 100 targets going to the running backs, and there's still 100 targets there for Hayden Hurst. Yeah, yeah that math does check out. It's such a high-volume offense. My, my projections are similar. Well, you've got, you've mentioned Calvin Ridley and you've mentioned Hayden Hurst as breakouts, Heath. Um, and I mention this stat all the time, but no one seems to care, and I'm not sure that they should. But their defense got a lot better in the second half of the season. Uh, I'll try to get the exact numbers. I'm not sure they got better this offseason, though. But what, did they get worse than what they were oh. before they turned it around last year? I'm not sure. No, I, I mean, the, so, he's, to Heath's point, it's a dirt cutter thing. I mean, yeah. we, we've talked about this before. Like, their D might be better, but D, I still think this team will throw even if they're a little bit ahead. Yeah, they, they allowed 31.25 points per game in the first eight games of the year and went one and seven. They allowed 18.63 points per game in the second half of the year and went six and two. But even with that, Matt Ryan still threw 41 passes per game in those last eight games. I, I mean, look, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Maybe that, maybe there's not as much volume there if they have, if their defense legitimately is that good. But there's no way their defense is giving up 18 points per game. I, it's, that's not happening. There's also the question about how often they'll run the football, and could Todd Gurley be so bad that they really have no choice but to throw as much yeah. as as we're talking about here, yeah. or if not more than that. And we, you know, we talked to Ross Tucker a few weeks ago, and this is an offensive line that could make a big leap because they had two yep. rookies starting last year. They got hurt. Another one of their guards got hurt. Like They could be a lot better this year. Um, all right, Ben, why don't we stick with tight ends? You have Mark Andrews, who is currently a different ADPs here, 35th overall on Fantasy Pros, 49th overall on NFC. Uh, he's tight end three in both scenarios. But when would you take Mark Andrews? Fourth round is usually when I look for him. Um, there's just so many good receivers that I like in the third and even into the fourth, but I I still have found myself taking Andrews despite that. The big reason I, I think there's breakout potential here is he doesn't even run that many routes. Um, some of that has been speculated as due to his type 1 diabetes, which needs to be regulated. Um, I think partially it could have been due to Hayden Hurst, who the, the Ravens did like. They drafted him in the first round, and and – um, they only traded him because they got pretty solid return back. They drafted him ahead of Andrews. They drafted him ahead of Lamar Jackson. We talked about this and, um, Hurst was still running a lot of routes and, and particularly out of the slot, which is where Andrews was. Both of those guys had a very high slot, uh, rate in terms of percentage of their routes run. And then Nick Boyle is a third tight end. They use the Ravens use their tight ends almost more than anyone, probably more than anyone. And Boyle had a very, a, a much lower slot rate. He kind of plays a different position. He's much more in line. And so now that Hurst is gone and they don't probably have somebody like Hurst that they still like a lot, I'm just curious if it, if the upside scenario, I guess, for Andrews is if that means that he could run a lot more routes finally and he just gets targeted at such a high rate per route. He's so efficient. Um, if he does start to creep up in routes run and, and fill that hole that Hurst leaves by you know just hit his share growing, he could just be a monster. Okay, would you take Mark Andrews or Jonathan Taylor? 
Anders. I took Andrews over him today. Thank you for that. I took Taylor <laughs> several picks later. Um, would you take Mark Andrews or Odell Beckham? Andrews. Andrews for me too? Yep. Is anybody worried about him saying, look, I got to opt out at some point because he does have the diabetes? I know no. he's, already, he's already said he's in, but if right. it gets a little scary, then, you know, like we've seen in baseball, some coaches. And is there any players, at least a couple of coaches, have been like, I got to step aside? So I, I, I mean, I think that's a concern. I don't, it's not invalid. My, I think the bigger concern for me is how many more targets does he need just to match the fantasy points that he scored last year? Because he's not going to be as efficient as he was last year. He had a touchdown rate over 10%. Um, so like we're going to see probably if he had the same number of targets, I would say seven touchdowns should be the expectations. And so how many how many more targets does he need to make up for that? And how much does Marquise Brown's target share grow? And that That's combined fair. with the target share that we've seen from him over the last years is why I'm still taking Ertz ahead of Andrews in full PPR. Interesting. I, I just want to comment on the diabetes. I'm not a doctor at all, but I know that type 1 diabetes was not put on their list of um, okay, of opt-out, whatever, opt-out Um Right, like the, the excuses to type get two the... diabetes, I think is the okay. Uh, again, I am not a doctor, but I do think there's a, an important differentiation there. Yeah, no, that's a good point, right? You're talking about the list that would have given them the sort of excused absence to get the three hundred fifty thousand right. dollars. Right. Okay, so our final breakouts are: uh, we have four wide receivers. I'm going to lump three of them together. They're all going in the same range. For Ben, it's Stefan Diggs and Terry McLaurin, and for Dave, it's DK Metcalf. Heath, how do you feel about Metcalf, McLaurin, and Diggs? I love Terry McLaurin, and he would have probably been my fifth option for a breakout. So absolutely love that one. Think he's kind of sneaky as a possible top 12 option. The quarterback play won't be as bad as it was in the middle of the season. And he actually made a connection with Dwayne Haskins at the end of the last year. The last two games were very good. They don't really like, I know we're excited about Steven Sims as a sleeper, but that's solely because Washington's position group is so terrible that he's going to be forced to play a ton of snaps. Honestly, like, I think if Sims is good, I'm sorry to cut you off, Heath, but I think if Sims is good, I think that helps McLaurin because it means teams can't double McLaurin. Oh, they could still double yeah, I, him and allow us. Sims is not to, yeah. like, I don't think Sims is a difference maker type football player that's going to probably yeah. impact other things very much. I think he's going to be good because he gets volume because they don't have anybody else personally. Right. Um, but I think there's a chance that McCord just has 150 target season and Dwayne Haskins takes the same leap as a pastor that 75% of sophomore quarterbacks seem to take second year quarterbacks seem to take and McLaurin's just a number one wide receiver this year. I don't really see that. I don't like with, I see that upside with Metcalf if something happens to Tyler Lockett. I don't really see that upside with the other two that I do with McLaurin. And I just, I love everything you just said. agree with all of it. Want to add another team volume stat similar to Arizona, how I think Murray might have upside if he just adds a lot of pass attempts and volume. And, and he said 150 targets. That might seem like a lot. Washington was the second team last year since 2006 to run fewer than 900 plays. They ran very, very low volume, especially after they fired Jay Gruden. They just ran the ball a ton. Miami in 2018 under Adam Gase was the, the other team that did that. And then in 2019, what we saw with Miami was they added over 100 plays, and they were still 
Um, actually, I, I think they went slightly above league average, but my, my point is Washington could add a hundred plays this year, which is a ton and still be below league average. They, they're so well, far down. And so if they add all that volume, McLaurin is the one guy that's going to benefit from that. And who is running right. things in Washington? It's the guys that ran like 1200 plays last year in Carolina with a terrible team. So, right. So if we talk about pace, Washington was 31st in situation, neutral pace last year, Carolina was fifth. So he he's points perfectly right. You got a new coaching staff there that was very fast paced with a bad team last year. Washington's going to add a ton of play volume this year. How does Stefan Diggs break out? Uh, I mean, it, it's just they have to treat him like a legitimate number one at all depths of the field. So the argument for me would be that Minnesota's pigeonholed him last the last two years. And one of the big stats would be that average depth of target it's been shown is typically the receiver that dictates that not the quarterback but Diggs has fluctuated by eight yards over the last two years which is something that is just crazy which means he was getting targets that are i think it's around eight yards per target uh, of depth in 2018 which is well below the average of about 11 and then in 2019 it jumped to like 15 yards of depth he was just pure deep threat and he got a ton of downfield uh looks he was efficient in both regards he saw a lot of targets in both places but they like i think that's evidence that he can win at all levels of the field they just never treated him like that the big thing is the bills were trying to get antonio brown last offseason and brown said he wouldn't even report to them and then this offseason they traded a first and more i mean go look it up they traded a first a third a fourth and like another pick swap to get digs they traded legitimate first round i mean excuse me number one like top 10 in the league wide receiver capital to acquire stefan Diggs. they think he's that good uh joe biscaglio was on ff uh excuse me uh, hq the other day and said that that the team knows they need to get just stefan Diggs the ball he wants the ball if they treat him like that cole beasley just had his first hundred target season of his career last year i think Diggs is going to eat up a lot of those short area targets I think he's still going to be used down the field. We know Josh Allen likes to chuck it. Him and Josh, uh, John Brown, I think, will both be downfield options. But it's essentially Diggs is it's going to be a low-volume offense, but Diggs is treated like a legit number one. He gets targets all over the field, quick screens, downfield targets, and he just has this big target season that we haven't seen from him before. But that's the, the optimism. I think the talent's there. I think, I think he is a top-10 receiver in the NFL. Okay, so talent's there. We just need to get the targets. We need to get the usage right for Stefan Diggs. And Dave, if, I'll give you... If he has 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns, that's a breakout year for him. He's never done that in the same year. That'll be a hell of a year. Um, so Dave, uh, for you, DK Metcalf, just give me the quick overview. DK Metcalf and uh, Darius Slayton later. Slayton, I just like as as a breakout, especially in non-PPR, as the number one receiver for the Giants. I, I was impressed with what he did last year. A lot of it came with Daniel Jones. Eight touchdowns in 14 games, 700 yards in 14 games. I think he can take a step forward. I think he's the best. Um, I, I think he's definitely the best deep ball threat that the Giants have. But I also think he can contribute in other ways. Maybe not quite to the efficiency of Golden Tate and and. Uh, Sterling Shepard, but I, I think he could be the most explosive of the three. And that's saying something because yeah. Golden Tate's been explosive for a while and Sterling Shepard has great hands, but I think he could be the most explosive of the three. I think DK Metcalf is crazy explosive, just a freak of nature. His size speed combo is great. It looks like he's gotten a, a, a hair better as a route runner 
over over last offseason to this offseason. He's going to play a ton. Defenses are going to have a really tough time with the Seattle passing game this year with Lockett and Metcalf both burning downfield. And Russ just keeps plays alive. It's one of the secrets to his success is his ability to make plays on the run, out of the pocket. And he has that chemistry building now with Metcalf just as he had it building this time two years ago with Tyler Lockett. And we've seen Lockett explode. I think both Seattle receivers can finish with a thousand yards this year. I think Metcalf can improve on what he did as a rookie. Okay. Uh, so Dave, just for you, since you probably are the highest on Metcalf. Yeah. Andrews, Ertz, Metcalf. What do you do? I'm probably going to take Metcalf ahead of both tight ends. Okay. All right. Let's go to Twitter. I asked our listeners, who is your favorite breakout for 2020? So you guys tell me zero to 10 on the breakout-o-meter, the breakout-o-meter, how much do you think that this is a good call? Uh, from Andrew Courtney, David Montgomery. Two, four. Five. From Kyle Sommer, Michael Gallup to become the number one in that offense. Four. Three. Six. Four, three, six, okay. Uh, Kenny Galladay, Jumping to the top tier of wide receiver. Six. Seven. Six. Devin Singletary. Three. Six. Five. Uh, how about Alan Lazard? Three. Nah, that's too harsh. Four. Ten. It's it's probably like a four or five for me, and I freaking love Lazard. Excuse my, but I love Lazard, but I just don't know how he's going to get enough targets there. I I think we have to define a breakout, like the odds come of on. him having don't, a fantasy don't. relevant season that is better than any season he's ever come had before. On. Come on, Heath, the highest on this list. I already <laughs> I already That's defined fair. breakout for you. Sleepers win you weeks. Breakouts win you leagues. TM. I'd be stunned if Alan Lazard won anybody a fantasy. That's league. what I'm okay, talking. There were about. like four players that won people leagues last year. Like, yeah, there were only four breakouts. Yeah, I don't like Adam Slogan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Mike Kosicki. Six seven. I'll be a little lower. Five. Four. Deontay Johnson. I'm I'm feeling it with him. Seven. Yeah, seven. I like I'm not even I think I should put a blank because it's just a blank look on my face. Like, what has this guy done that has made people think he is good? Okay. He was tied for the team lead in <laughs> targets have, last year. I don't know if that means anything to must you. Must have been in high school because it wasn't in college or last year. I disagree. I thought he was... I, look, the numbers weren't necessarily great, but I thought he had some talent coming out of, uh, out of college. Last one from Tony Starks. Fernando Tatis. How ridiculous what? is baseball? Are you freaking kidding me with this 3-0 stuff? That's two well, freaking two minutes. I thought that was mocking... Uh, you on the fantasy baseball podcast for saying he was going to be a bust this year. I most certainly did not say that. I think in a head to head points league, we did not think he should be a second round pick because he was going to have, and obviously we're wrong. But I think I, in a roto league, I'm pretty sure I was the highest on Fernando Tatis, but not high enough, apparently, because he's probably the number two player in fantasy. The 3 0 thing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, so isn't it? Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. If there are people who don't know, he hit a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch in a blowout game yesterday. They were blowing it. It was the Rangers uh, out, and and I don't know. The, 
I think it was the Rangers. The other team got really mad about it. His manager got mad because he was he got the take sign and he ignored it. But like baseball, you're doomed. If you cannot get he's the most exciting player. The first time I watched him play, I said like I tweeted it. He is the prince that was promised for baseball. He is everything for baseball. You better jump on board with Fernando Tatis or And then or they had him out. up there apologizing in a post-game interview because oh. he kind of had to. It's ridiculous. Come on, baseball. Get your act together. Okay, Dave, um, remember we have a mailbag show coming up, so I have emails in every show, and I never get to read them, but that's why we're adding the mailbag show that you can hear probably Friday at some point. Maybe if It'll not, be out on Friday. All right, Friday. Thank you, Ben. Um, Dave, yeah. Seattle hot dog. Now, listen, I, I consider myself a pizza connoisseur, not a hot dog connoisseur. So take all this with a grain of salt. And I made it at home. I didn't actually travel to Gretschland and uh, try an authentic Seattle-style hot dog. But got a bun, toasted it, got a hot dog, grilled it, got some cream cheese, spread it, got some grilled onions, love grilled onions, soaked it with tons of butter, <laughs> put it all over the hot dog, put it all together, took a bite, totally unimpressed. <laughs> Totally unimpressed. There wasn't there. Need I think there needs to be jalapeno as a permanent part of the Seattle hot dog because that would give it that little extra kick. Because otherwise, there's just too many dull tastes. The cream cheese is a dull taste because it's cold and it's a little sour. Grilled onions weren't seasoned; they were just onions and butter, so there wasn't a, a lot of flavor there. It tasted like a hot dog with cold spread and grilled onions on a bun that I might have had a little too well. Done. Sounds like the kind of sandwich you might get, like from a place where it's just like <laughs> always cloudy and dreary, and there's no bright colors. <laughs> this or is sunshine. the worst food take that's ever been had on this podcast. This is the worst. Well, what food did take I do ever. wrong? Hold on, hold on. What did I do wrong in putting together the Seattle hot dog? I don't Should know. I it looked good when you said it to me. Maybe you didn't make very good grilled onions. That's a pretty big key oh, there no. for me. I am a well. Should they be crispy? A little crispy? Or no, like no, they looked pretty. Good. They looked no, pretty good. It did look they good. I saw. Good. I saw the pictures too. It looked good. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm still gonna try it. Uh, I I highly recommend trying it. And when I do go to Seattle someday, I promise I will have an authentic. I think Monster is the place that is the best Seattle dogs. Ben, you'll tell me where to go. I just get street. I mean, I just get it off the street usually. I mean, this was a college. We're out drinking, and they have it at every you know cart on the on the sidewalk. So I also had one other thing I wanted to share with everybody. Uh, we had a, a segment that we haven't done in months. It's called Fantasy Regulators, where we regulate your league issues. And we used to play the regulators music, but we're not going to do that anymore because you just can't do that. And it's just a big thing in the podcasting industry now. You can't play other people's music. We don't want Warren G to sue our asses. Right. So We don't want to get regulated. We have um, our own regulators music that was made for us. And uh, would you like to hear it so we can have a little yeah. fun with it? Because we're going to bring back the regulator segment, but we're going to be playing this instead. <laughs> regulator! Uh, so we'll be regulating to this. Uh, I got to figure out when to throw the uh in all that. Clear dark night. A clear white moon. Yeah, something like that. Uh, we have more music too. Like I imagine, if I if I go up against Heath head to head and I win the matchup, or like I win a bet, I'm just gonna play this triumphant music. Yeah, this is what I find fun, and I think we could do this one for like a debate. Oh yeah, Dave versus Heath. Go. Yeah, I think. 
think that should be the new regular. This this is fun. Yeah. Right? We can start a show like this. This is great. Yeah, that should be the look. It doesn't have to sound like regulators. It doesn't have to sound like the song. Okay. But that right. sounds like that sounds like the type of music that I would expect to hear on the intro of like a buddy cop television series. Yes, this is great. Alright, we found our new regulators music. Ugh. Right when the drums kick in. Alright. I'm going to end like this. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow with busts on Fantasy Football Today. Make sure you email us, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We're out. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com.